It's that time of the week again, folks, and this is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars, and this is episode 507 of the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's very special guest is a, what was it, first-time caller, long-time listener, or is that back to front? I don't know. Zach Meese, originally from Ohio, but now a resident immigrants to Medellin, and we'll be talking about how he made this transfer from the United States to Medellin, and now lives there, has an international job, and is making the most of an opportunity afforded of him in Medellin. So a nice good news story about nearshoring in Colombia, and in particular in Medellin. So we'll be talking about that, and what really, I mean, I don't know particularly what it is, but what is near shoring so with, yeah, that's that is the topic of today's episode thank you everyone who has written in and of course tuned in in last week's they've been great shows daniel eggington of episode 506 and various other episodes the adventurer the expeditioner the explorer he is off he has hit down into the jungle, and my friend Joshua Collins, the journalist, freelance journalist here, he of Pirate Wire, so check out his his uh, news, I would say, platform for the region called Pirate Wire News. Anyway, they are down there together. Joshua will be accompanying Daniel for roughly a week, and then Daniel goes off for another two and a half months down into the Rio Negro, along the frontier with Venezuela and into Brazil. So that was last week's episode, and you definitely enjoyed it uh, because we, well, got a huge amount of listeners tuning in. Of course, 505, we were with uh, Natasha Joel, who was in Minka. She is in Minka, in the Sierra Nevada, and she was talking about her work as a photographer photographing the Arawakas, so therefore the women of the Arawak community in the Sierra Nevada. And prior to that, 504, Colombia's violence from two perspectives. We talked to Paula Delgado Kling, the author, about her book on, well, she puts into context her upbringing and, well, exit from Colombia during the worst days of, let's say, the kidnapping scourge that took place in Colombia. And she puts it alongside with a decade of interviews with a former child combatant slave, however you want to put it, who is in the FARC. So Leonor, that's her book. It's Leonor, a story of a, a stolen uh, childhood. So check those out. Fascinating episodes of late, but no less fascinating right now with Zach Meese. And of course, we've got more people lined up for coming weeks. Yes, those of you who listen regularly will know that I have a small boutique editorial company called Fuller Vigil, the first book we published last year called Better Than Cocaine, Learning to Grow Coffee and Live in Colombia by Barry Max Wills, is selling incredibly well in Bogota's independent bookstores and online on Amazon, where you can get it as a print or as an ebook. So please look out for that and support indie publishing and, of course, new voices in the writing world. Thank you again for listening. And don't go away, because we'll be back just now with the news, the Columbia Briefing with Emily Hart, and then we'll be talking to Zach Meese in segment three. Thank you again. 
The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your headlines from Colombia for this week. A shootout took place in Parque 93 on Wednesday, a public park in the north of Bogotá. Initial reports categorised the event as yet another robbery of restaurant diners in the capital, a crime of which the city has been suffering a recent wave. However, the authorities now report that it was a case of hired assassination against businessman Hernando Roberto Franco Charri. Franco's bodyguards shot back at the hitmen, but he ultimately died of four bullet wounds. The event left at least two other people injured. The US Embassy in Colombia has this week advised its citizens to exercise extreme caution when visiting the country, following these recent cases of violent robbery. And yet another death of a foreign citizen in the city of Medellin this week. Josue Cardona Palacio, a U.S. citizen of Colombian descent, died of stab wounds. Thirteen foreigners have died in the city this year, three of whom were suicides and eight of whose causes of death are still under investigation. Guerrilla group the ELN, the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, has announced a crisis in peace talks with the Colombian government, citing the government's participation in regional talks with communities in Nariño as breaking agreements. The ELN now says they see themselves obliged to freeze talks and recall their delegation for consultation. The government, meanwhile, denies that talks with communities breach peace negotiation commitments. The two sides have held six rounds of talks so far, agreeing to a bilateral ceasefire last year that was recently extended for six months. The government is also holding talks with the two largest groups of FARC dissidents, However, submission to justice seems further away than ever for the largest criminal group in the country, the Clan del Golfo. There is no legal framework for an eventual surrender to justice, and the Minister of Justice, Nestor Osuna, has stated that it is not a legislative priority. In fact, President Gustavo Petro announced this week that military bombings of the group are back on the table for the first time since he was elected president. If they are not capable of dismantling themselves as we have requested, they will be destroyed by the state, he said. Meanwhile, a key figure in Colombia's civil conflict is to be returned to the country from the United States this week. 
Salvatore Mancuso has been released from prison in the US, having served 16 years for drug trafficking after extradition in 2008. Mancuso was leader of the country's largest paramilitary group, the Autodefensas Unidas de Colombia, the AUC. On arrival, he will be detained in Colombia pending a hearing to determine whether or not he will be at liberty while he faces judicial processes. He is charged with over 130 crimes in Colombia, accused of responsibility for more than 500 homicides, as well as disappearances, forced displacement of over a 1,000 people, and gender-based violence. There is, however, a request for his freedom from a court in Bogotá, backed up by the national government who named him a peace manager last year, this based on his willingness to contribute to historical truth processes and work with victims. This work particularly regards the many people who remain missing around Colombia's border with Venezuela as a result of the civil conflict. In addition, the Transitional Justice Court, the HEP, has accepted his testimony, and he will also likely be called to participate in the proceedings against former President Álvaro Uribe. Uribe faces charges for procedural fraud and bribery in criminal proceedings, which link him to paramilitary groups. Mancuso will reportedly be provided a full security detail by the National Protection Unit. And after nearly a year of negotiation with UNIDAP, the Union of Platform Workers, and following a warning from the Constitutional Court, delivery company Rappi has agreed to improve working conditions for its delivery drivers. The current government had fought extensively to bring both parties to the negotiating table. Rappi, a Colombian company valued at over 5 billion US dollars, has around 60,000 people who work with the application in this country. Most of these are legally considered contractors or collaborators rather than employees. This has allowed the company not to comply with employment requirements, a situation increasingly challenged in similar companies globally on the grounds of illegal working conditions for often vulnerable populations. This outcome is precedent-setting for labour relations in the digital platform universe. Not only has Unidap gained formal recognition, but also the guarantee of an annual contribution from RAPI to the union for health and social issues. A new ombudsman will also be established who will watch over the rights and working conditions of delivery drivers. It is hoped that the decision will be replicated in the other countries in which RAPI functions. The application currently serves more than 250 cities. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And my very special guest is in Medellin at the moment, or Medellin, as they say there. He's a Buckeye. Those of you in the United States and around there will know that that means Ohio, as it supports the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Zach Meese, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, longtime listener, first-time caller, and uh, just really excited to be on the podcast. Well, no, it's nice. It's nice to check in with immigrants to Colombia to see what they're doing. Because I don't call ourselves expats, and I wouldn't call you an expat either, because you've moved to Medellin now full time. You've even got your backdrop is Medellin here, if you're watching on YouTube. Look at that, the city of eternal springtime. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, just imagine uh, a lot of condominiums uh, and some beautiful hillsides. Um, you 
have been a listener for a very long time. You managed and decided after a while that this is it. You wanted to move to Medellin. You, you, this is this is the city for you to make your life at this point. Uh, I just kind of want to explore that a little bit. What is it about Medellin? Why Colombia? Why Medellin? Well, so my story is not that special, really, when you come down to it. I uh, was dating a girl from Colombia back in 2016, and she invited me to Bogota uh, for the first time. And, and like many Americans here, you know, I know the Hollywood story that we cover, and I'm not going to get into that because that comes with a whole bag of worms that we don't want to get into today. But, um, you know, the relationship didn't work out, and I kept coming back. I think my second trip was Cartagena, and then I kept coming back to Bogota many times because I have some uh, Bogotano friends. And for a long time, I really thought that I was going to end up in Bogota. And one of my friends told me, he goes, you know, I really think before you make that jump here, you need to check out Medellin. I think your personality is way more Paisa than it is uh, Rolo. And so I said, all right, I'll go check it out. And so I came down uh, about a year and a half ago now for a six week trip. And two weeks in, I called my friend and I said, you're absolutely right. This is where I want to be. And it's uh it's a truly magical city and, and the the changes in the city that have been happening over the last even in the time I've been here, it's really emerging as not just a leading city in Latin America, but a, a leading city, I, I think, uh in the world. Like this is a very popular destination and it's very easy to see when you think of things like the culture, the people and, and uh the resources here. It, it's a truly magical place. Well, so, okay, so you've made it home, and and uh, that's that. Bogota, as Emily from the podcast says, Bogota is a more adult city. Maybe Medellin's a bit more fun because of the weather, because of this, the uh, proximity of nature and so on. But so, I mean, this is interesting. It's a boy from Ohio up there in Medellin. Uh, we're not going to get into the, the negatives surrounding Medellin at the moment. That's for another day. I, I am actually, just for those of you interested, myself, Emily, and others are, are looking into doing a podcast on that because it's seven foreigners in about 15 days uh, have, have died, been killed, what have you. We're not getting into that. Zach has actually got his own YouTube channel, uh, Buckeye Paisa, I think it is, Buckeye Paisa, as you'd imagine. And he did a reactionary post on that about what's going on, what he thinks of it. So I can recommend that to you. Check that out because, it, you know, nothing better than actually getting some information from boots on the ground where it's all happening. I'm far away from it. I'm reasonably informed about what's going on. I'll be in I'll be in Medellin in March, and so I'll be able to take a little bit of a look at it uh, and talking about it. So we're not going to deal with that. That is coming up. But, you know, you moved to Colombia and set up this YouTube channel. Uh, I don't want to call you an influencer because I think it's a grotesque word. <laughs> um, but you've been doing it, I think, mainly for your family and friends back home, right? Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, we're not going to get into it, but you touched on it. Um, there's a lot of stories going around about Colombia in general. A lot of people are scared to come here. I just had a friend who was here, uh, I think, last month, and and she's like, well, I've always heard it's dangerous, or I've always heard this or that. And I'm like, no, it's, it's a wonderful place with wonderful people and wonderful experiences. You need to come down and see it. So what I've done is, um, and my videos aren't just in Medi, and they're in rural zones, right? Like I went to Quibdo. Um, which I always pronounce the accented O incorrectly. So if anybody's Colombian and listening, I do apologize. 
And that's like a zone that, I mean, it doesn't see a lot of tourism, especially from the foreigners, because it's kind of off the beaten path. And what I want to show is, you know, Colombia is different than the United States or Europe or, or those, those um, traditional tourist destinations, but it's really a great place to come. And I want to show those cultural things, right? Like I do videos on the local soccer team, Independiente Medellin, El Poderoso de la Montaña, um, which is my adopted team, which being from Ohio, I obviously have to have one. And um, yeah, the, these are things that, you know, I think normalize Medellin and show that it is a place, you know, it's not just the stories you hear. Bad things happen everywhere. And and that's not what Colombia is. And that's part of my job, too. It's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, if you if you meddle in the bad things, the obvious bad things, you're going to get in trouble. And that's what's going to happen. You put yourself more out there at risk. Kibdo, as you as you it doesn't receive tourists, you might be the first Ohioan to have gone. Do you feel like a pioneer? I, I mean, I'm not. Uh, oh shoot, what was his name? Uh, not Lance Armstrong, but I felt like it. Um, <laughs> no, I stick out like a sore thumb for for your listeners who don't know. Kibdo is about 95% Afro-Colombiano, and like here in, in Medellin, I, I can kind of blend in. Uh, but I stuck out like a sore thumb there and it was still, uh, but it was a magical experience. I met wonderful people, um, definitely got a different taste. of. Yeah. So I have a question for you then. Why Deportivo Independiente Medellin? Why that football club? <laughs> you know, a bunch of people here asked me that too. Uh, Atletico Nacional is obviously the most popular team here. Um, but you know, I, I coming from Ohio and Cleveland specifically, sports are a big thing. And so I said, well, heck, if I'm moving here, I need a I need a sports team. And so I tried them both out, and I was in the bottom for both of those. Those are the fan sections, right? That's where all the crazy people jumping up and down, singing songs, uh, stuff like that. And uh, Nacional was less welcoming to foreigners being there than Independiente Medellin was. And so I was like, that's okay. It's got Medellin in the name too. So that kind of works out for me. And I, I felt like a real connection to that group. And now I have a bonus, which for foreign listeners are season tickets. And I go to every game. I have a group of people that are uh, in the section with me and, and we hang out and do some pregame uh, social activities, we'll say. And then we go to uh, the game and sing our little hearts out and then sometimes go out after so i it, they had a great season they're not doing so hot now i'm hoping that they bounce back here in uh later this semester well that's it i mean it's a, it's a way in isn't it to to sort of let's say penetrating a culture through the sports it's uh, definitely and and as someone as you said from from the cleveland area from the midwest to get involved in sports and to the you know to transport the same energy through is is going to make you friends straight away and as you say you know, maybe you go out afterwards or maybe you're weeping into your beer afterwards. It's uh, this season. It sounds like you're weeping into your beer. But then my adopted team has now moved to Valle du Par, so I don't support it anymore. <laughs> well, hey, you're welcome in Resistencia Norte anytime you want to be here. Resistencia Norte. Okay, there we go. That's what it's called. Resistencia Norte. I like that. So what is the most interesting to me is that you came down, though, and I think this is what my listeners will, will want to hear about, is that you decided this is it. I'm going to live in Medellin, but you've got to get a job. And and so where does that come in? I mean, did you start remote working like so many in Medellin or did you, I mean, was it about searching for a job on the ground? So uh, a little bit of both. Um, when I first came here, I was working with a logistics company in the air freight space. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'll be honest for my listeners and in my network, they did not know I was down here, but I was working remotely, so it didn't really matter. Um, you know, and then I kept coming back and then I w- went to Europe for a little bit. So your side of the pond was hanging out in Madrid. And then one day I got the dreaded, Hey, uh, we are downsizing and laying people off and, you know, sorry, here's a severance, yada, yada, yada. And so I said, you know what? I've been trying to make this dream work. I've got enough savings that I can be down there for seven months, eight months without having to return back to the United States and time on my visa too. So I booked a flight from Madrid, actually from London, uh, because I was in London when I finally left to come down to Medellin. And I started networking, going to gringo networking events, Colombian networking events, uh, learning all the information that I possibly could uh, related to the logistics industry, which I think we can get into a little bit as well down here and how it functions. And I connected with a company called S-Works, which is my current and so what is this com- what, what is this company? Um, and what that means is we provide staffing solutions in the United States using uh, Colombian power. Uh, we call it Colombian power, but it's Colombian labor um, at, you know, at, sorry, you might have to cut that. Um, but what we really do is we connect businesses in the United States with a workforce here and an industry in general that we can kind of get into. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a couple of different things that kind of set us apart, but they had an interview with me and now I'm an account exec and I'm the American face for, uh, Columbia, the power of Colombian labor and the impact it can have on people's businesses. But the, the company is American. The company is based in Boca Raton, Florida. Actually, we just moved to Miami. So let me correct that. Um, but we do have our operations center uh, here in Medellin, and we just recently opened a office in Bogota, uh, close to Parque 93. So we are expanding. So I mean, so this is nearshoring. This is this is what it means. It's 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 using. I don't want to say a call center, but it's a it's a hub of uh, trained professionals in another country for a service in the U.S. Yeah, and I think when people hear the term nearshoring, a couple things come to mind, right? One of those things is um, a call center, like you said, Um, customer service, answering questions, whatever. And and do we do that? Sure. But it's not our main vertical. What we specialize in is actually finding new talent that's equipped for your company's operational needs and can support your staff in the United States, in Europe, or really anywhere. Um, And kind of optimize that and work in tandem with your American side of things. Now, do we have call center capabilities? Sure, but it's not something that we actively go out and sell. So you guys are are looking for the experts. What kind of, I mean, what kind of industries are we looking at here? So right now, uh, logistics, because that's my background, is kind of my bread and butter, right? Um, That's not all we do. We are in, in the insurance space. Uh, we are in healthcare. We're trying to emerge in some newer markets, um, you know, without disclosing any kind of customers that we currently service, obviously. Um, you know, we've, we've seen expansion almost double in the last, uh, I'd say probably 13, 14 months. And so the explosion has been huge because I think people are finding out that you can put somebody with the same skill set or sometimes better uh, in these roles. Uh, and base them out of Colombia and have seamless integration with your with your domestic operation as well. So, I mean, it's an economic thing. 
That's the thing. Like there are people who I think that's a common misconception as well. Well, it's all about offshoring American jobs. And let's face it, we're entering an election year in the United States. The term offshoring, nearshoring, not a popular thing. But what we do is we try to find ways to enable your domestic USA staff with staffing that if you had the budget to, you would actually source as a separate position. So I'm going to give you a use case, if that's okay. Um, When I was in air freight, everything was running smoothly and your day was great. But all it took was one call that said, hey, Delta or whoever, sorry, Delta, (laughs) missed the package or the package wasn't loaded on the plane, we don't know where it is, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's all well and good, but you're still getting hit in the face with those order entries and those other things and those track and trace and touch points. And I think a lot of logistics companies, especially in the operational side, which is kind of you know my expertise, could would have those people that's like, okay, I would like to segment this. This guy just does track and trace so that my people can troubleshoot these issues. But unfortunately, they kind of lump it all into one position. So what we try to do is say, okay, what are your pain points? And then here's how we think we can help you offload some of those responsibilities at an economic rate with somebody who is actively able to do this and is bilingual and can work with your company seamlessly. Okay. So, I mean, I remember in the late 90s, the first things that came over like that was sort of, I mean, not not like that, but we... I would run into them a lot in Costa Rica with the uh, sports betting companies. And now, and now we need to move into nearshoring. Um, I know that there's one in Bogota that, that deals with all of Atlanta's parking situations and stuff, which, which to me is it, the mind boggles that's that people in Bogota should be, you know, the people in charge of Atlanta's parking system. Um, <laughs> the mind, the mind boggles because as I say, we, I mean, we saw, uh, the collapse in the global supply chain with with covid and and so on I, this is what would be my concern in the end you know if 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 something else happens and you guys get cut off what what happens not quite sure i understand the question Sorry. well you Can know you, the, try that well, again? you know well it's not really a question it's kind of a debate you know how i mean you're in logistics look at what happened during covid uh, when you know, with, with the whole logistics and the global supply chain and everything and the knock-on effects, I'm I don't really know if there's a question of it. I'm just sort of putting the context out there. If we get again, the world gets separated up and we have to start looking at in inwardly once again. I mean, nearshoring would it be one of the first things to go? I actually don't think it will. So if you look um, during COVID, that supply chain, especially in the time critical sector. Things like air freight, um, expedited delivery, hot, we call them hot shots, but it basically just means point A to B logistics, right? Um, whether that's courier trucks, whatever. Um, that actually exploded because people needed it. The integrators, your UPSs, your FedExes, and so forth were overwhelmed completely. Sea freight took a beating because there was a lot more uh, health protocols that were done in uh, the ports. So processing time was slower. You know, you hear stories about Port of LA being backed up for you know 20 days or whatever that was. Um, what you know in the time critical space though, like especially in air freight, the airlines needed to bring in revenue, so they were selling out cargo spaces. Some uh, international airlines, I think British Airways, actually your your hometown airline. Um, yeah, we can roll our eyes at that both because I've traveled them as well. Um, but they uh, they actually gutted their planes, and what I mean by that is they just removed the seat in order to operate these cargo flights. And that really helped international commerce. The other part is, is that now we see the market correcting 
And those high rates that were able to be charged before were not or are, are not now. And so I think nearshoring actually has a chance to explode. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's going to be there's obviously a cost savings thing here, but you don't want to sacrifice uh, cost for quality. Right. Yeah. Or you don't want to sacrifice quality for cost. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's a thing that we can absolutely help with. And so I, I do think there's an opportunity here. And especially if you want, you know, even if you want to expand into Colombia um, or to Latin America, a lot of people want to expand and put offices on the globe, especially if they're in international trade. We can help with that because as you and I both know, navigating the visa situations here to set up an entity is incredibly complicated here. So we have the office space. We can get you the workforce. We can act as an employer of record and build you a Latin American presence without actually you having to set that up directly. Okay. I mean, this is fascinating. I understand the logistics side of things, but I, how, how is it that Nearshoring works with healthcare and insurance then? So there's a lot of back-end tasks, right, that definitely don't, um, you know, they eat up a lot of time. Uh, these are manual touch point tasks, things like invoicing, uh, bill checking, uh, making sure those indices are accurate. We can be in that space. Um, purchasing, uh, if you need to purchase supplies, um, you might not have a budget to do, have the team that you need, like especially in bigger hospital networks, for instance, the Cleveland Clinic, um, which if you guys, your listeners don't know, is that they have campuses all over the state of Ohio. And there's, they, my guess is they have a team of probably 15 to 20 people, but they may really need 25. And so we can help them with that at an affordable rate and give them top talent. Okay. Okay. I mean, it does sound, does sound reasonable to me. What are other examples? Do you know of other nearshoring uh, companies in Medellin taking advantage of this? Yeah. So there, of course, has always been popular hotspot markets. Um, and with, uh, you know, we think of like the Indias, we think of the Philippines and, and places like that. Um, I have noticed recently that a lot of that's going to Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, but there is moving here into Colombia as well, because I think what people are finding is that uh, Colombia has done a really good job. And I'm going to talk specifically about Medellin and I'll give a, a, an example. Um, Medellin has the Valle de Software um, the Valley of so the Software Valley Initiative, where they're trying to educate um, their new young workforce in things such as um, tech support, uh, front end, back end, stack development, Java, things like that, so that they're able to seamlessly integrate with Silicon Valley because they know that there's a lot of foreign investment coming here. And I think that where S Works comes in is we actually partner with those universities. Uh, to get you that top talent. Now, if you need an experienced guy, we can go out and find that for you. We don't have like a room full of applicants that can just come out on call. We actively act. We actively act as headhunters hmm. um, and try to find you the talent that's specifically tailored to your company's needs. This is interesting. I mean, when you said the headhunters, but it does it does differ from human resources. Sure. We, you're basically outsourcing your human resources to us, right? Like you, instead of having your human resources worry about tax compliance, healthcare benefits, and, and things of that nature, we handle all of that on the front side. And we take a small fee on the back side, and the money goes directly to Colombians, which actually I think we should probably touch on. Yeah. One of the main differences for my company, and I'm, I'm not here to talk 
any kind of smack about any other company, right? Everybody should do their own research and what works for them. But if you want the cheapest company, we might not be the one, right? And the reason I say that is, is because we actually invest in our workforce. I think a lot of companies in similar spaces come down here and just say, okay, we're going to get low-scale talent, answer phones, take a huge profit margin off of it, and sell it to the customer at, at premium price. And what I think we do at S-Works really well is we pay above the national average for all of that. And I would say it's significantly above. We take less percentage. And we what we're trying to do is invest back into the community, right? Like we don't want to make our money off the backs of Colombian labor. We want to work with Colombians to connect power into the United States and give them those soft skills. And I think future state, you know, we've been in business for two and a half years and we've, we've seen really good growth. Um, but I, I like, I would like to see my people, uh, my coworkers, I guess I should say, um, you know, learn those skills from the logistics industry and build that here. Cause you and I both know that like Columbia desperately needs some logistics infrastructure. <laughs> Communications, logistics. Well, how many employees does uh, S works have uh, there in Medellin? So currently, uh, I'm going to give you a ballpark cause I actually don't have the report up in front of me, but we're sitting at about a. 110 to 120 employees. Now, 90 of those are probably our collaborators. And those are the people that work with those US companies. And then the other 20 are, uh, you know, people like me, sales reps, um, accounting execs, um, things like that, that are full time employees within the company, but they're not touching with American companies, unless they're, you know, we have an operations manager, Esteban, he's a great guy, even if he is a fan of junior. And, uh, you know, we, uh, he, he handles like escalations and stuff like that. So we have some customer facing roles, but they're dedicated to S-Works rather than our client. Okay. Well, I would say that 120 is, I mean, in Medellin itself is is a significant number. And if you're opening one, one in Bogota, how many here? Do you know? Yeah. So we're in the process of opening that up. At first, it was an administrative support place. Yeah. Uh, my Our growth manager was based there, so we didn't have a whole lot of uh, growth there. We're actively searching for that office space to expand it and actually start our operations center there. So currently we don't have that. Um, we do have about 10% of our, uh, I'm sorry, 20% of our workforce working remotely. These are like overnight positions because a lot of those office buildings aren't 24 hours here. Um, and, you know, we have people in Barranquilla, uh, shout out Danny if he listens to this. And, um, you know, we have people in, uh, I can't remember where Mari's from. I was going to give her as an example, but, you know, we're, we're connecting talent, not just both locally in Medellin and Bogota, but we're giving opportunities to people in the more rural zones so they don't have to relocate here as well. Okay. Well, it's just about, it's having a connection, isn't it? It's having the, the which which can be difficult in the rural zones, certainly rural Colombia. I am, I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. And, you know, okay, we're going back to the city of Medellin with its Software Valley Initiative, which is a nice name and what's going on and as you say, front end, back end. Um, do you get grouped with like the tech bros? Do they see you uh, in in Medellin as a foreigner working in, in this kind of industry? Do they, do they do locals see you as one of those tech bros that has come, come down from the US and is, what are you, uh, Bitcoin mining and things like that? Yeah, I, I think there is definitely a stereotype of Americans here, right? Let's, let's be honest. We don't have the best reputation, and, and for reasons we're not going to get into, sometimes that's deserved. Um, 
we can we can be bad guests. But I will say this about Medellin specifically, and I think Bogota too. Um, you know, there's a little uh, friction between the two major cities there. Um, as you said, you call us children, so that's fine. <laughs> but uh, I think really Colombians take you for who you are. And, and I can speak to that for the Pisces too. They might have preconceived notions about how Americans operate and are down here for, but usually they once they meet you and they get to know you, and if, especially if it helps if you speak Spanish, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they are more than willing to welcome you in here. They don't have that, um, you know, passport bro, tech bro, or tech bro, or whatever uh, preconceived notion. They take everybody at face value, and if you're good people, you can succeed very well, very well down here. Well, I think that's it. It's, it's not to not to be the expat, uh, not to move 100% in those. It's nice to dip into the uh, immigrant community to touch base with, obviously, your roots. Uh, of, I'm sure that you, you find or have a place uh, from which you can watch the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and such as that perhaps there's another fan one or two others in in Medellin (laughs) do you know what actually I don't mean to interrupt you there but one of the cool things is there's actually um, an amateur network of American football here in Colombia that operates across the city yeah I got involved uh, coaching with them by the way I'll send you some videos of that so you can put it in the thing if you want. Um I was helping out with coaching because you know I don't know if you know this but I put on some weights in high school the last time I put on the pads and uh next year we're actually looking to create the first Latin American Browns backers which uh if anybody else is from Ohio they know that that's the fan base uh and watch party group of the Cleveland Browns and we're trying to put the first one here in uh Medellin it's be the first one in Latin America. <laughs> How big is the league then across Colombia? So the league, I, I can't, I think it's probably 10 people if I remember correctly. I'm kind of partnered with the Median Huskies. Um, and they are, you know, they have tournaments. So you go to different cities and you play 10 games over the course of a weekend and there's a champion, right? It's a tournament. Nice. Um, I don't know how they do that because I remember playing in high school and after one week you would ice your back and that was terrible. Um, but yeah, these guys, uh, it's more for fun. It's all amateur. It's pay to play, but it's people that want to learn and, and try to try to assimilate. See, it's a both, both ways, isn't it? So you're, you're, you're assimilating and then of course, helping at the assimilation. I think that, I think that's excellent. The way that you have definitely, uh, immersed yourself in, in culture there through the sports. I think that's a, a fantastic way of becoming part of the city and, I mean, are you the? When we come back to the uh, S Works, are you the 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 director in the office? Then are you the head guy? No, I am not the head guy. Uh, you know, not not yet. I want to preface that. Um, just kidding for anybody listening in the office. No, I'm actually an accountant, and I think you know we have sales support here locally, and I think that you know, I think. Sometimes it's something that as Americans we do very poorly, and, I, and I've been guilty of it, let's be honest. But you answer the call and you hear someone with an accent or whatever, even though the Colombian accent is very neutral, right? I, I think so. And you might be like, oh, this is a call from wherever, and they just hang up the phone because it sounds like telemarketing. And where I come in is I kind of put the American face on that. We also have a sales rep named Mia. She's incredible. She's based out in – she's based up in Miami, Um and we just went to a conference, the Manifest Logistics Conference in Las Vegas last week, which was very fun. 
And we basically go out there and we we try to tell people, like, look, Columbia's not what you think. There's a lot of great talent here. It's not, you know, it's definitely been developing. It's improved in the last seven years that I've been coming here. I see the changes on the ground. It's an incredible place, rich with opportunity. It's just how do we get people to, you know, how do we get past that initial hurdle, I think, is probably one of our, our bigger issues. But that's it. Is I mean, there's an incredibly educated, qualified workforce. Absolutely, and they're by and they're bilingual. So you know, I remember thinking my Spanish teacher in high school for the whole three years that I took it really failed me because I did not know how to uh, communicate even basic things, right? But the workforce, when I'm in the office, I don't speak. I don't speak Spanish in the office because they want to speak English to me. Everybody wants to improve. And it's the same way with me. Like I take my classes and I practice with them and then they laugh at my terrible accent. Um, but I'm, but the point is, is that you try. And regarding, I lost my train of thought, Richard. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Regarding, I mean, it's the, it's the Spanish, isn't it? The incredibly, incredibly trained, educated workforce. What how is your pace of Spanish coming along then? Is it got, have you got that drag to it? You know what? Funny story. We were in the stadium watching Independiente Medellin and my friend, uh, my friend looked over me because I was saying some words that you would definitely not learn in a class. <laughs> and he's like, Holy shit. You speak, you speak like a paisa. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's one of the best compliments you could ever give me. Well, that's it. I mean, again, at, a, at an event of this nature, you're supposed to you're supposed to shout things and abuse, certainly at the um, op opponent's goalkeeper if you're sitting in uh, sitting behind them. Uh, a little anecdote on that: I used to go to really, really low quality football games in England, like Conference Division, which is like the fourth division, and you're so close to the goalkeeper. I mean, you're within less than a meter behind him that you can psych him out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. If people are going to come down here, I, I highly recommend going to the games, um, you know, and even sitting in the bottom sections, like the fan sections, because I'm from Cleveland and we think that we're pretty crazy. That's nothing compared to resistencia North Bay. Like they are amped and hyped the whole time. I, it's like, if it's, 10 times more intense than the Ohio State student section. Like it, it's it's an experience and a great way to experience like local culture here. Oh well, it's excellent to hear. Yes, and I think I think it's really fascinating to get this insight on what is your life uh immigrating, emigrating to Colombia to be in Medellin. You chose the place, you found the job. S works, you're in nearshoring, which of course is very much what you came from, logistics, uh, and and you've immersed yourself in the culture. I think uh, this is to be this is to be applauded, Zach. Well done uh, with all of this. You're you're in a happy place. Yeah, and, and you know, Colombia has given me so much. You know, I remember coming here, and I even said this in my last video. I remember coming here after being laid off, and I had saved and saved up, so it was fine, but. People would be like, do you need something? Like, do you need to eat? Like, do you need food? Like, whatever. And they were taking care of me because they've seen in the past that, like, my interest in Colombia is sincere, right? And so, like, Colombia, and that's just one example of many where Colombia has really given me a home. And, and so I feel more comfortable here sometimes than I do back in the Buckeye State. 
And so I'm very grateful for the opportunities that S-Works has given me, that the people of Columbia have given me, and that they've accepted me. Uh, I think I can think of no better way of winding that down. What a nice way of thanking, uh, obviously, your adopted homeland. I feel the same as well. Um, but uh, really, really good to hear it from you there, Zach, and uh, to see that you are advancing. And, and yes, as you said, it won't be long and you'll be the head honcho there as works in Medellin. One can dream. <laughs> it shouldn't be a dream it should be a reality but anyway thank you so much for talking and sharing some of your some of your stories and and you know i really didn't know what how to define near uh, shoring and so on i didn't know how it was how you're going to explain that to us but you did it obviously in an incredibly clear and a coherent manner so thank you for that because i know that people out there will be like what the hell what's he doing but it came across and and you defended it very well of course as you should because it's your industry um anyway this is a, this is a, one of those good news stories of immersion and uh being adopted and enjoying yourself and start starting afresh but really getting involved so zach thank you again uh we should look at your youtube channel that's buckeye paisa uh, yes, sir. Anything else that we should look up that you, we need? You know, if anybody on your listener network is looking to potentially open a Latin American operation, I do encourage you to do it in Medellin. And if you need help, um, maybe sourcing that staffing, feel free to reach out. I'll give you my information, maybe put it in the description or something. But um, S-Works can help with that. And so, you know, whether you're based in the United States or you're looking to open up a, a Latin American office, um, both to work with your United States or be the Latin American operation, like we can help you with that. And that's definitely something uh, that, you know, I'd love to talk to somebody and show them the power of the Columbia can have on their business. Excellent. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you again, everyone. Thank you, Zach Mies of S-Works for your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. A really upbeat, again, episode. Uh, of course, if you want to uh, support us, that's patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. And of course, stay on the line, listen to some messages from our sponsors. And thank you again. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Corriente,
voy a atarrayar. 